The bards must drink and junk it. Hello, friends and strangers. Thank you for listening to Tomorrow, Tomorrow We, we die. die. A show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician. Told to you by people who have built their lives or portions of their lives around writing and playing the music that they love. We are your hosts. I'm John Wisniewski. And I'm Jeffrey McNulty, and every episode we'll bring you an interview with people who are out there day-to-day grinding against the many odds on the off chance they might get some sage advice from Andrew Dice Clay at a bagel shop. True story. Uh, we're back. Yeah, we're back. Yep. <laughs> Sorry we took a long break. We were just talking about on our last episode, we were all like, woohoo, we're on Ruinous Media, we're going to be pumping this stuff out. We're going to grind. And then we didn't pump anything out. No, no, no <laughs> pumping out. Well, a lot has happened since then. Yeah. You know, everyone's been following it on social media and in the world and maybe out in the streets as we know so I don't think we have to go too deep into that no, yeah. World is crazy. People have decided to go full fascist. It's a little uh, startling. Yeah. We did address it on our social media channels. If you want to know sort of what our thoughts are on that, just go look over there. But otherwise, we're just back to working on the show, yep. and we're just going to focus on it for what it is. Yeah. I think we need some fun. The world needs some fun. And so let's have some fun. Yeah. And why this is a great guest to talk Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Because he is a lot of fun to talk to. He is a busy man, for sure. Yes, today we have Conan Neutron on the show long, long time friend of mine from the band world. Yeah. And funny enough, the first out of town guest to kind of hit us up and then make it on the show, which is awesome. I, I was kind of hoping that that would happen at some yeah. point. You know, we'd get enough episodes out and, you know, people that I knew who would like hear about the show would sort of like hit me up out of the grapevine. And sure enough, Conan jumped on that. He was actually, we were going to record it in person with him. Yeah. His band, Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends were going to come through in Seattle and we had the, we had the whole thing yep. set up where he was going to actually get up early the next day, which is hard to do on tour (laughs) come over to the studio you know crack a couple mimosas and do the interview in the morning before his next show but then you know the apocalypse happens yeah i had that date in my calendar for so long i was so excited to hit the victory lounge like see some Mm -hmm. friends bands and rock out i had just gotten back from mexico and then yeah covid happened and we haven't seen hide nor hair of each other since except online so yeah uh, fortunately conan is an old hat at this he has his own show which is phenomenal and funny and crazy and he does it like a live radio show and he has so many great guests it's called conan neutrons protonic reversal it's awesome he will let you know immediately that that's a ghostbusters reference (laughs) Uh. which of course we already knew because John and I, you know, we get it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. He's part of the rock nerds scene, which is part of the reason why I was so happy to talk to him. And his band, Replicator, I urge you to look that up as well as his newer bands. But Replicator was, they were so heavy. They were such a good noise rock band. And they talked about like Philip K. Dick style dystopian craziness. And they were the one band in the Bay Area that I wanted to play with that we never played with. It was like we played with every band that was like-minded with Bloodhagen. For some reason, it just never came together. I don't know. Yeah, Conan and I, we knew each other for a long time. Replicator was one of those bands that Akimbo would hit up all the time for San Francisco shows in our early days of touring. And they were awesome. And we're going to get into the interview with Conan right about now. First up, I want to play some Replicator. And then I also want to give everyone a quick disclaimer that um, this was our first 
interview figuring out how to do a home session yeah, this was... <laughs> uh, with a computer and a crappy mic. <laughs> and none of us, so... uh, Conan had his mic, which is different than my mic and different than John's mic. And so you're going to notice that the sound quality uh, goes in and out a little bit. So please bear with us on that. These get better after we do a couple of them. So sorry about this one. But yeah, just so you know, anyways, here's some replicator. And then after that, we're going to be talking with Conan. Neutron. Hello welcome. Hi, guys. Hey. First time caller. Yeah, I know. First, I know. first, time, first time caller. caller time. Yeah. <laughs> How'd I mess that up? Uh, edit. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Jokes. Jokes. Uh, so you and I have known each other for a long time, but you are, I think, the first guest that I've known for a long time that hasn't lived in Seattle. Yeah, we uh, 18 years, maybe? 20? Yeah, something years like that. Dang. That checks out. Yep, about 20 years. <laughs> I'm feeling every every year of it today. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. You and I met on the internet before the internet was all caps, the internet. Yeah, um, man. We met yeah, man. <laughs> in the early days, early, early days of bands networking to try and get shows. When it was yes. still commonplace to use telephones to call mm-hmm. people. A lot of cold calling happening if you were on tour. A mm-hmm. lot of like weird recommendations is like when you'd call someone up, you say, Hey, my name is John. I play in a band from Seattle. I got your number from this guy who got your number yeah. from this lady. And they met you once at a show here. Yeah. And they told me I could call you to set up a show. So will you please put your life on hold for two weeks and do everything you can to help me out? Yeah. So back in the day, there was a little thing which does I don't think it exists anymore. It's called Yahoo Groups. I think they finally yeah. they, they purged them in January. Fair well, some of that good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. Uh. Yeah. The groups was essentially just a distribution list that a person could yep. control, right? And so there was a guy in the Bay Area named Paul Costuros yep. who had an amazing band called Total Shutdown. Great band. He was internet savvy enough at the time to set up a group called Spockmore. Spockmore. Yeah. Underground touring bands could get in touch with each other and like trade tips. Like if you're going to this area, like avoid this road, make sure you hit up this club and not that club. Never, ever talk to this guy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And you and I met on the internet on Spockmore, just like email buddies. Like We did. You already did, were doing Akimbo then or it was right before Akimbo? It, it was, was like real was, early. Yeah, I was real doing early. Akimbo. The, I, we used Spockmore to book our very first tour. That's right. I was had been in Replicator not that long. And yeah, you were, you were in Akimbo. And, and I remember I was like, oh, wow, there's a dude from Seattle on here. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's how we ended up kind of becoming friends, just talking on this email. And it really was that as an email distribution list where people are just, you know, someone would just say, but, and someone would say chicken, but, you know, like whatever. And like, yeah. but, but it also would be incredibly useful information. Hey, if you want to play Tijuana, talk to this guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was a weird combination of abject nonsense and very <laughs> useful utilitarian band, uh, <laughs> MRNR style, book your own fucking life uh, sure. thing. Totally. Kind of both at the same time. Yeah, populated by a bunch of like weirdo art punks who are just like completely doing their own thing. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of bands that are like, you know, the last ones picked, the freaks, nerds, and weirdos, et cetera. And you mm-hmm. touched on something that I thought was funny. that Because when Replicator started, it, we were booking tours the same way we were talking about. It was like you had to call people over the phone. Like, so I had mm-hmm. these... <laughs> I worked at Tower Records at the time. Oh my and there God, were these Tower too. <laughs> Tower Life, L Y F E. It was Rolling Stone decided to do a giveaway of phone cards. Mm-hmm. Now, for your millennial listeners, we'll have to explain what a phone card is. They were course. really important. They were in those days. Because it wasn't like today where you can just Facebook message and be like, hey, bro, can we play yeah. Tuesday on April 5th? You had to be on the phone a lot. A lot of times, like, getting answering machines and not actually talking to people. Th- there was a loophole with these phone cards that you could stack them. You could, like, add them on to each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, say, have an enterprising young punk rocker who has access to all of these issues of Rolling Stone, it is fair to say that one could take all of these phone cards take them out of the magazine, stack them all on top of each other and book two tours out of it. Yeah. I've seen that happen. I've also, I've also booked a tour with a stolen phone card. Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> again, I can neither confirm nor deny this, uh-huh. but I will say I did spend a lot of time on the phone and it was expensive because <laughs> long distance wasn't automatically, you know, it, it costed money. So my favorite booking stuff on the phone story, which they're all terrible and they all are just like <laughs> <laughs> every single thing you have to say about like booking a tour on the phone was awful yeah and a lot of it's because you have to describe things like oh did you get the tape or the you know later the cdr that i sent over the press kit oh oh yeah i think so Uh, i don't know just you know what what do you guys sound like so i was booking a show in rapid city south dakota (laughs) i'm not gonna ask why i just know it's some place to get to to get to somewhere else (laughs) yeah we were either going to the midwest or coming back from the west i can't remember pacific northwest is always good to us but um we so this fella who's like just some dude he's like a book your own fucking life guy you have to explain what that is everyone that listens to this show knows book your own fucking life no they don't you should explain it a lot of people don't know what that is so there used to be these things called zines <laughs> and then, then, <laughs> one of those zines was a thing called maximum rock and roll and a spinoff of that a better call saul to their breaking bad if you will mm-hmm. was a resource called book your own fucking life which was literally just a list of different cities with different people who would set up punk rock or hardcore shows for you uh with their phone number what where they lived and ideally some relevant information about the kind of stuff they wanted to book yeah. lots of street punk i never actually yeah. knew what street punk was for the longest time mm-hmm. but it's like street punk only or no street punk i'm like what, what is street punk <laughs> <laughs> what is that street punk <laughs> an enterprising young person especially someone with a loaded phone card yeah. could go through and call these places and set up shows without knowing anything anybody without being friends on you know, there was no such thing as Facebook or MySpace, even Friendster at that point. Yeah. And that's how the tours were booked. So I found this dude through Book Your Own Fucking Life. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, man, I'll I'll, uh, I'll totally set up a show for you. Hey, I didn't get the, I'm going to assume it's a cassette. I don't remember. That, that you sent over. Cassette or a like, CDR. 
and no. in it might have been pre-CD. I don't Back remember. Back then, it doesn't it was matter. A cassette. It was a cassette. For the purposes of the story, yeah. it doesn't matter because he didn't get it, or he at least said he didn't get it. <laughs> but he's like, "What do you guys sound like?" I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, a lot of people say we kind of sound like shellac. Do you know who that is?" He's like, "Nope." Oh, <laughs> fail. Well, uh, some of the people kind of think we sound like the Melvins. Do you know them? Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, some people kind of say some of our stuff sounds like Sonic Youth. Do you know them? Nope. Hmm. Ooh, three strikes, you're out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Well, do you know Nirvana? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally know Nirvana. I know them. I'm like, cool. So the really noisy, weird, crazy parts of Nirvana are what our band sounds like. And he was like, oh, great. Awesome. That, that's, that's great to know. That's awesome. So I might as well t- talk about that particular show, even though it wasn't something we were going to talk about. This is back when, I feel like this still happens, but less so now, that the bands wouldn't all sound alike. They wouldn't sound like each other. It wouldn't be like, oh, it's seven, yeah. you know, seven metal bands on a Monday or whatever. <laughs> that was the whole <laughs> scene back then. Uh, it, it wasn't like, it wasn't so like that at this all. This dude, we'll, actually, we'll get to this guy So and his band. <laughs> but there was a two-piece, like, kind of old-school Eric B. and Rakim hip-hop act that, like, rapped to their CD. Rad. Which I thought was amazing, and especially because we were like three, two, two, eh, two and a half weeks yeah. deep into the tour, so we must have been coming back. So we were like just really sick of, like we would always get stuck with you know, the same kind of band. So it's like, oh wow, this is cool, this is interesting, this is different. There was a band that sounded like a pastiche of basically every popular band on the radio at that time. <laughs> of course. Mm. Which <laughs> tends to happen in like, we'll go ahead and charitably call them smaller markets. Absolutely. And this is like early 2000s. So yeah, like yeah. This is, uh, I, I want to say 2002. <laughs> this is the first This is the first Coast to Coast that okay. we did, which we have another story I want to tell on that mm. story. And it's at this weird VFW hall. It's like the, the vibe's kind of bizarre. There's all these like veterans just sort of like hanging out and like looking very sullen and angry that any of this is happening. Veterans were hanging out. They they were. I presume there was nothing else going on. (laughs) Actually, you know what? It wasn't even Rapid City. It was Box Elder, South Dakota. Okay. Box Elder? Box Elder, South Dakota, which is smaller even. That sounds like a (laughs) D&D monster. Yeah, it does. Box Elder. Got to get out the fiend folio for that one. (laughs) And then the dude's band plays. And we're like, oh, I wonder what this dude's band's going to sound like. And the fucking first song in, guy does this like Crypt Keeper style <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I love it already. And they're circus metal. And by circus metal. Oh, my most hated yeah. style of metal. I mean as an insult. Conan, for the folks who don't know, describe circus metal and then shoot yourself in <laughs> the face. Yeah. It's, it's like ear cancer. I mean, it's sort of like, like take all the things <laughs> that I despise and put them in like one place and there you have circus metal it's like someone who heard the new mr bungle <laughs> record and decided to copy it poorly and even more poorly and it just goes mm-hmm. like many generations yeah down not to denigrate mr bungle but i'm telling you that that's like you know kind of where circus metal starts it, there was definitely yeah. a what hast thou roth aspect to it and Patton knows yeah. i yeah. mean Patton knows <laughs> he knows, he knows. <laughs> I, I, I they, mean, know. they know what they did you know what you did, mr bungle <laughs> i mean i have nothing but respect I have nothing oh, but respect for, for that, every like, musician yeah. in that band, but I'm, it's, not, it's just not for me. It's not for no. me. No. <laughs> I can't circus fucking metal. hang with circus metal, man. I can't now and I couldn't then. I'm, like, I'm, just, I'm no. just like looking at Chris and Ben and just be like, are you fucking kidding me with this? Like, this is worse than I ever possibly could have imagined. I've got a very vivid imagination. Yes, you do. <laughs> so 
Anyway, circus metal band plays and like dude totally thinks of himself and you can tell as like a scene legend in his own mind. Maybe might be the best way to put it. Oh, it's scene Fox legend. Elder, South Dakota. To be clear. Yeah, it's not that hard. Yeah, exactly. It's a low it's a low stakes. So we play the first song and you know, like, all right, fuck it. Let's just play the song. Let's do what we're going to do. And so we play our first song. After first song, one of the VFW dudes, the guy that, like, runs a place, runs up. Like, he's got his hat on. If it was today, it'd be a MAGA hat. But it was, like, let's say a trucker hat. And he walks up. <laughs> and he's just, like, <laughs> sure, kind of like yeah. cartoon character. Like, arms going up and down. Kind of like, rah, rah, you know, like, really animated about something. And then, like, you know, like, oh, hold on. What's this guy got to say? He's like, turn your ding-dang amp down. Turn. Turn your ding dang amp down. Ding dang. <laughs> All right. I kind of looked at Ben. I kind of looked at Chris. And it's at the time I was playing on a Fender quad, which are basically constitutionally incapable of being quiet. Yeah. It's either on or off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's either loud or off, pretty yeah. much. So I'm like, Please. all right, well, you know, I'll turn down a little bit. Sure. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Play two more songs. All the kids are loving it. Fucking box elders going nuts for replicator. Have, it's a good old time. Then my dude comes up again, again, arms going. He's like, turn your ding dang amp down. Turn your ding dang amp down. <laughs> I think it, it's like Yosemite exactly. Sam. Imagine Yosemite Sam as like a veteran <laughs> in box elder South Dakota. And, and like, I'm just like, what I'm, what I'm hung up on, I'm barely hearing what he's saying. What I'm hung up on is ding dang. Why does he keep saying ding dang? Yeah. Turn your ding dang amp down. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we can't can't turn this down much lower. There's pretty much not going to be a show. So I'll try like a little bit. We'll play another song. And if that's not enough, then I don't know what we're going to do here. But, uh, you know, the show might be over. So we play one more song. And again, he comes up. He's like, I told you, turn your ding dang amp down. Like after the next song, I'm like, I'm like, all right, show's <laughs> over. And I turned off the amp. It's like too much to like the, the and there's like whatever. I want to say like 40, 50 kids there. In Box Elder, South Dakota. That's a good show in Box Elder. We're probably like one of the weirdest bands I've ever seen, but they were super into it and they were super psyched. And everyone's like, oh. And I'm like, talk to this guy, man. Like, I don't know. My ding dang amp's too loud. What, the, what are you going to do about it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so we slang a bunch of merch. And then, like, later on, Ben and Chris and I are talking about it. And we're like, well, this guy probably has a thing to, like, not swear. Like, he doesn't want to swear. Uh-huh. So instead of goddamn, he's going to say ding-dang. Yeah, he's old school. Yeah. But it was hard to take him seriously because he was clearly fucking angry about it. A <laughs> uh, postscript of the story is Circus Metal Bro decided, he was like, he's like, hey, well, like, he felt bad about us, you know, we're just not going to play if it's not going to sure. be the show we want to do. He took us, he's like, oh, well, you should come to Denny's with me afterwards. Like, I'll, I'll buy you guys dinner. We're not going to turn down the free meal, <laughs> fine. Yeah, so, take it. The great concession, <laughs> right. the great he's handshake. A- come to Denny's <laughs> with me. <laughs> I shall buy you a moons over my hammy. <laughs> uh, we walk into the um, to the Denny's. First thing this motherfucker does, there's like a young woman that's like the waitress. She's like, oh, hey, we were in the bands that played tonight uh, down the street. Maybe, you know, you know, I'm in. And like whatever his terrible band was called. Like he made he made a really special yeah. one of making mm-hmm. a huge deal of it. And like everybody in this freaking Rapid City Denny's because the Denny's is in Rapid City, not Box Elder. Mm-hmm. Their heads all turn. He's like totally making a scene about it. We're just like, oh, Christ, I just. Like, this was a terrible idea. We should have just, like, drove. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> uh, but that was the guy that, uh, yeah, circus metal. We did get the, the Denny's food, but I felt like we had to earn it because he literally was talking about his band the entire time we were eating. And he was so uh. he was so <laughs> trying to impress this young lady who was, like, waiting on us, who just was having 
none of it mm. and was like contractually obligated to like pay attention to him as a customer and like at one point i was just like we're not with this guy like we gave, we yeah. even though he like paid yeah. for it we gave her like a like a 30 dollar tip or something crazy thing like that so we're like like did this guy fucking break <laughs> anyway what was the question <laughs> awesome <laughs> what's your name and what do you play <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me your first seven part episode dogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> my name is conan neutron i i play guitar and do vocals <laughs> old timers know me from a band called replicator mm-hmm. most folks these days know me from a band called conan neutron and the secret friends mm-hmm. so my first band was replicator which is is kind of weird it's not it's not often that someone's first band is their band that they're in for like 10 years and still kind of yeah. more widely known for but uh originally we weren't called replicator we were called phalanx which i somehow thought was a good idea and of course everybody in those times of things being done over the phone thought I was saying failing instead oh, of failing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we started off, you know, even Dwarf started small. Uh, that was just Chris and I then, but we quickly found out what we wanted to do and became Replicator. Mm. So I've only been in four bands. I've been touring and making records constantly for just about the last 20 years, I'd say. My first real band was Replicator and it was, well, it was originally called Phalanx which uh, again, in these days of talking to people on the phone, people would be like, failing? Yeah. Failing? What is it? And I was, I was like, ah. and it's such yeah. a cool word, but <laughs> cool words do not make yeah. cool band names necessarily. Well, Replicator's pretty fair, great. And the funny thing great. about, yeah, and the is. funny thing about that is we were sitting That's there trying to one. name the goddamn band. Chris and I were walking around in um, like an army street in San Francisco, uh, sorry, Cesar Chavez. And we were like, oh, we need to come up with band names. Like, oh yeah, but all the good band names are taken, which is hilarious when you think about it now. And he's like, oh yeah, it's- mm-hmm. yeah. When he's they like, really are taken. Christ. This statement is true forever. <laughs> it, it is, but it, it felt like it then, yeah. and it's really true now. So he's like, oh, it's too bad that that unwound sideband has that name Replicator because that's such a good name. And I'm like, kind of like, like a double take. I'm like, replicants. I mean, replicants, like the Philip K. Dick book. Mm-hmm. And and, and yeah, he's like different is there a band called replicator? And I'm like, there is now. (laughs) (laughs) And I had no idea how easy I had it because with Mount vicious and victory and associates, those are both compromise names that would just happen after like just Mm -hmm. months and months of emails going back and forth. If somebody suggests something, someone else shoots it down. And I'm just like, Oh my God, for the listeners at home, Conan just put a fake gun into his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, most band names are concession band names, you know? Exactly. So the nice thing, about Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends, which started off, I, I didn't quite know exactly what it was, other than the fact mm. that I was going to make a record. Yeah. I was just like, it's called Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. Done. Like, immediately, I was like, yes! And <laughs> it's actually a decent band name, because it isn't just like, the one definition. Like, a Secret Friend is also the artsy kid in high school that is sort of treated with disdain by the jocks and the popular kids that later on goes on to, you know, found a startup and become a tech billionaire mm-hmm or something sure. while the jock like goes and like gets a job at his dad's car dealership or something along those lines yeah. so that's like what a secret friend is and that's the real definition of course nobody gives a shit about that or you mean it's not literally a friend that you keep secret yeah and, it's, and people just and, and the fact that it's a sentence <laughs> like oh my god dude like oh my god dude it was I've, there's multiple times i've had to like there's people like that wrote the marquee down and they're 
There's a lot of Kona Neutron and his special mm. friends. Oh, no. Mm. <laughs> I remember this was in Chicago. I was like, hey, man, beautiful sign, but the band name's wrong for the touring band. It's like, oh, no, it's not. I'm like, <laughs> mm, I have a pretty good authority that it is. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 that's, that's what was in my email. That's what it is. I'm like, okay, well... I'm in that band. I'm the Kona Neutron of Kona Neutron and the <laughs> secret friends. And I'm telling you that it isn't. And he's like, oh, well, let me check real quick. And then oh, he's going to check. He's going to check. And I look back at like uh, Tony probably and I'm just like, I don't believe <laughs> like, this shit. Like, I mean, Christ. He man, like walks like, away and then your phone rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes back. And he's like, oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. I must have misread it. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. But I mean, it doesn't matter because even in Replicate, I remember this one time we walked up to a show in Denver and on the marquee, not the marquee, but like the fucking sandwich board or whatever. It's like yeah. Replican. Hmm. Which better Ooh. to be a replicant than a replicant, replicant. I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you can't can't win, don't try. Is the right. is the answer? All right. Uh, anyway, so yeah, my name's Conan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... old, old heads, old heads, no replicator. Yeah, most of course. Most these days, no Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends is. A very cool project. Talk a little bit about Secret Friends and, and sort of how you do that. Sure. So when I started, I was still living in Oakland, as I have for most of my adult life. I live in Milwaukee now. It started off as just my old band, Victory and Associates, was on a hiatus. The kind of hiatus that happens where like a married couple is like, oh, we should try swinging. <laughs> and oh. it's like, yeah, that's not, I mean, that's that's not going to work. Of, one of those kind of hiatuses. <laughs> yeah, so this hiatus is like, I think we all know which right. way this is going to fucking go. But like, all right, sure. We'll go on hiatus and uh -huh. then uh, come back. Sure. It doesn't matter. Bands break up. Whatever. But at the same time, I was kind of seeing a lot of my friends just do really cool stuff, whether it was new bands bands, new things, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I was uh, getting into writing stuff on GarageBand. Like I used to love to do a lot of four track mm -hmm. stuff way back in the day when I first yeah. met, met you, John. Mm -hmm. But I got out of the habit of doing it. The idea just struck me like, God, I really would like to try to like write and record a record on my own. Just try it. And then like, if yeah. it's terrible, I never have to show it to anybody. Nobody ever has to hear it. Like, Solo like whatever, it's chill. Yeah. And especially because I was so fired up because a bunch of my friends were doing really cool stuff. Either putting out some of their best work or just really killing it, you know? Mm -hmm. And here I was like on a hiatus <laughs> and not doing shit, not touring, not like playing shows, not making records, anything. So I decided to make this record, talk to Toshi Kasai, who will feature in another story that I'll hopefully get around to telling. Yeah. It was like, hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And I sent him some of the demos and was like, will you tell me if this is bullshit? <laughs> and, and like, he's very good about yeah. it. I don't, I don't know if you guys know Toshi, but Toshi's like very upfront. Like he's, you're not going to get like smoke job with Toshi. Yeah. And he's, he's like, no, these songs are great. We should do it. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So, so I had to figure out like, okay, who's going to play on this? And I have a million people that I could ask, like whether it's, you know, ex-bandmates, people I know from tour, huge, mm -hmm. huge swath of people. And I was like, well, a band's as good as their drummer. Correct. Yeah, really. Yeah, true that. Everyone agrees. Yeah, no one will disagree with that. And so I was like, well, yeah. let's figure this out. Like, who are my favorite drummers of all time? I actually sat down and made a physical piece of paper list. <laughs> and on on that list, so I, I you know, I had, I had Dave Grohl first, which I'm like, I don't fucking know that guy. How do right. I get a hold of him? <laughs> and I was like, well, but actually, I actually like Dale Crover's stuff more. And I was like, oh, I actually do kind of know him. And yeah. Toshi especially knows him. And I was like, oh, whatever. I'll, I'll ask him. Yeah. And when he says no, yeah. I'll... Da, 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 da. 
And so <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah, the songs are great. Let's do it, man. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, uh, okay. Yeah, 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 cool. Let's do it. You weren't prepared for the yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, dude, what I expected is I was going to go down the list and like number 45 would be like, yeah, I'll make some time to do that. Because yeah, sure. I was just so like, I had no yeah. frame of reference to it. I didn't know mm-hmm. if this was any good. This is just like, I'm going to write these songs and we'll, we'll see what happens. So I'm sitting here like, oh, fuck. I'm going to make a record with like one of my favorite drummers of all time. Lucky fucker. Like one of like the best <laughs> living drummers in rock and roll. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Easy. Mm-hmm. Fucking easy. Uh, and like, you know, whatever. We've made like, you know, four records since then. I still would say that. And I was like, well, who the hell should play bass? And again, I got a lot of choices, right? But I kept thinking about Victory and Associates did this tour with Trophy Wives. It's been Trophy Wives from uh, Louisville. Mm-hmm. There's like shared yep. members with Lords, who you know, John. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, a great yeah. fucking band. And like Tony is not only Tony Ash, not only the fucking one of the coolest rock bass players I've ever seen, but like the sweetest, coolest dude. Like someone that like we did a couple tours together yeah. and we became really good friends. And in the way that like you can only be when you go on tour the band, yeah. right? Sure. So I call up Tony and I'm like, hey, dude, you know, how's it going? Um, you know, I'm making this record, wrote these songs. You know, Rino Toshi, who did like the last VNA record, would you be possibly into playing bass on it? Like coming, like flying out to LA and making this record with me. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, man, totally. That's awesome. Like agree to it immediately. I'm like, cool. By the way, Dil Cover from the Melvins is playing drums. Make sure you practice. And then I hung up. <laughs> In your face, you said yes. <laughs> Okay, let's take a break in the action and listen to a little Victory and Associates. The last time I had to cancel a tour is when Chris and Replicator got hit by a cab and broke his arm. Fair enough. And that was with Big Business. And I think that was with Akimbo. Was that with Akimbo, John? Was that the Hemlock? Yes. Oh, my God. You're right. Yes. That was like Big Business's like second tour. And yeah, we went down the West Coast and you guys were going to join us. That's right. I remember getting the email. (laughs) Yep. I could read the tears in your eyes between the letters. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I can't believe that we had to do this. Because we played a lot with the whip. And then we played Big Business later. But yeah, I remember just being like crestfallen. Yeah. There have been times in the past in other bands too where I've had to say no to stuff. Not necessarily because people got hit by a taxi, but because of, you know, yeah. reasons. <laughs> and it's always bothered me. So I was like, well, I would like to be able to just say yes to things and be able to figure mm-hmm. it out later, which is how Conan Neutron the Secret Friends operates now. Some people don't get it. Some people misunderstand it. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. You're not the first person on the show to have that sort of mantra. It's like, you get an offer, you just say yes, and then you figure out the details afterwards. Like, figure it out. Life be damned. 
And the nice thing is, like, it's kind of baked into the whole thing because I never necessarily expected to be a live man in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, and I still ask Dale to do stuff all the time. And, like, he's always fucking busy. And, like, one of these days, like, we'll be able to do a tour and, like, people will be able to see that lineup. But we've had, like, we've done Power Trio shows. I think the most, at one point, God, we did a nine piece band what? Uh, at one point. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> we had this crazy, no, it was really cool. We had this crazy stage in this cool ballroom and it was, like, huge. And we're, and, and like, I had, had all these people from multiple lineups uh-huh. there so orchestrated this whole like vegas live show thing where like that people going in and out and backup singers and uh that was great but yeah. it was only chunk style neutron <laughs> okay so it was a victory and associates tour and victory and associates was a band that we never quite found our niche we never quite found our audience uh, a lot of people considered me a noise rock trader <laughs> <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> trader, yeah. As in, I was not trader. Yeah, a traitor <laughs> of uh, You're a, traitor. A, a traitor of noise rock. That is a really weird thing for someone to call someone else. I don't think anybody actually said that. That was just like that, that was the mo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they were saying it was from Replicator to Mount Vicious. We carried <laughs> over about seventy percent of the Replicator fans, and then brought more people in victory and associates did not uh-huh. it was like a little bit of a post-punk band a little bit of rock uh-huh. band a little bit of a punk band and like all of those things and people just it didn't fit a narrow genre classification and just it was a lot for people to handle anyway point of fact all of our tours were like great in terms of getting stories <laughs> and in terms of like you know having fun playing music with your friends but not exactly financially funny the lucrative. correlation there the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah funny how that works out huh? <laughs> this podcast <laughs> so we do this tour this is a, a short tour too like even for that band it was a short tour but it was down to southern california and we bring along our buddy jason myers who's an author like he's on simon schuster he wrote this book called exit here that like was pretty successful uh-huh. basically and he's a dude that like is making his money off pretty sure i've read <laughs> yeah you might have like it, it's it's pretty good there's yeah. like a foreigner blows quote that like opens the book mm-hmm he especially was like a big replicator fan. He just was like, I'll come along on this tour and I'll write it up for like, I think, you know, there was different outlets that were going to maybe publish this, but he was going to write about this tour. They're like, well, you know, sometimes they're interesting. Sometimes they're not be ready. Oh no, I know. I know. Cool. First show we played. Was it Cantor's Deli? Cantor's uh, Deli in Los Cantor. Angeles. So good. The Kibitz Room, which if you're familiar with Cantor's Deli, first of all, it's delicious. And Tell it's people what Cantor's Deli is like, because it is not a rock venue at all. No. It is literally like a 1950s, 1960s style deli that has a bizarre assortment of people that will go ahead and charitably say are not rock and roll fans necessarily. <laughs> yeah. They're just trying to eat their pastrami. It's and, good. Like, it's nights, really good. You know, like whatever. It's, it's amazing. So in the live room, which is called the Kibitz room. That is such a great name. The guy that owns it when Guns N' Roses was coming up, they used to play there all the time. That's actually where they got their start. He wrote a book about it and it's got the most hilarious quote ever that Tony Ash pointed out okay. to me. Early start of Guns N' Roses. You, you look on the back. There's a quote from Slash. Uh-huh. It says the best book i ever read <laughs> <laughs> which we laugh about constantly oh but my we're, God. we're playing the campus room which is would which is a small live room at the jump jason myers is getting treated like a dickhole like he's like oh you're uh you're with the band it's like oh yeah, yeah i'm the roadie like it is normal like you know let everyone know he's writing an article i was like cool well i got special for you for beer 
roadie special four dollars oh. like <laughs> i guess that's good for la <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, but it's like, right. it's like Coors or something. Yeah. Basically, the guy's just being a dick. He seems to think that, like, you know, okay, Jason's like this guy of lower class than any of these bands, which is mm-hmm. funny because he's the only one that makes his money off of his art. Right. Of the bunch of us. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, play the kibitz room. Our show's fine. There's a whole bunch of hilarious hijinks that happen there. But Select Sex, which is uh, Ben from Replicator and Josh from uh, Behead the Prophet, No Lord. Oh, Shelley. yeah. Good band. Good band. Love that band. And they play and they get through like three songs before they have a turn your ding dang amp down sort of moment. <laughs> you got to turn your ding dang amp down. Now that everyone here knows the story, I can refer to that. And Ben knew we what do. I was talking yeah. about. The conceit was that the people in the in main deli are complaining. So there's this sort of like scrum of like trying to figure out what's going on and like, you know, whatever. And then Allison from uh, Bratmobile <laughs> gets on the mic and says, hey, you motherfuckers. I had to sit here and listen to John fucking Stamos play Beach Boys covers for two fucking hours. You can let the Lexus finish the rest of their set. Fair enough. And I'm like, go, oh, girl. You tell him. Tell yeah. him Poor John Stamos uh, is like, what do I do? Yeah, what do I do? Why am I catching shrapnel? Uh, he deserves it. Anyway, that, so that was the first show. And then we hooked up with a couple shows with some friends of ours in San Diego. We roll into the venue in San Diego. Pretty cool. You know, it looks like a good place. We got some people coming out. All right. And it's a uh, it's an early show, but it's a matinee. But some people are like, oh, that's cool. But I, I want to say it was like a Saturday or something. It's like, oh, cool. I can, I can make the matinee show, but I can't make the later show. Awesome. So we're setting up. And there's a bunch of just kind of odd looking dudes at the bar <laughs> uh-huh. of which like the bartender is also like, an odd so? looking what, dude. What's just odd? kind of like weaselly, weaselly looking like for lack Ooh, of a better term, not to insult weasels, but just like mm-hmm. just <laughs> sketchy yeah. looking dudes. This sketchy looking, like just kind of like gangly, like kind of golem looking <laughs> motherfuckers. And then we're like, all right, that's uh, I guess this, this is the midday San Diego drinking crowd. What do you, what do you expect? You know, <laughs> some golden Adonis, not going to be the case. So we set up and the other band set up their stuff and it's just to do bands and some people come out, which is great. And, you know, it's like, Oh, cool. You know, some Bay area expats, some other friends mm-hmm. from San Diego. Looks like it's going to actually be a pretty decent matinee show. They're playing shocking blue, yeah. which I like a lot. Uh, shocking blue. Sweet, great record. Great record. So Swedish band. And I'm like, Oh wow. You never hear shocking blue as house. Yeah. Music. Especially Fantastic. at a weasel bar. Cool. <laughs> especially at a bar populated almost mm-hmm. exclusively by weasels. <laughs> Once again, Jason goes to get a drink. He's like, Oh, Hey man, can I get a Jim Beam and a PB? the guy goes here you go he's like four dollars and he and he he winks at him and goes white power happy hour. <laughs> <laughs> holy shit oh no so then, so then jason again the guy that's along for the ride for this tour uh-huh. yeah like doesn't know what to do with this information. <laughs> and he's like he kind of like grabs me he's like hey conan and he, and he relates this story to me and i'm like <laughs> because there's like at this point there's like not a huge crowd but there's enough people yeah. here that are like you're here to see the show so what do i do with this information and then ultimately like i was like i think we just yeah play through this and i'll say something like afterwards and like we'll just like see how this goes because i think it would cause more yeah. problems like i don't want anyone to get knifed you know what i mean oh i actually forgot this part of the story there was a t- <laughs> Dude that just had a gas can sitting on the bar right next to a gas can. can. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) That is yeah. Which 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 at the time I'm like, all right, oh, 
San Diego thing. I've never that seen that many times I played here. Yeah, and, and those dudes fucking clear the fuck yeah. out too. Like once they saw some people of color and women come in, you know, like once White Power Happy Hour was <laughs> over, they had no reason to stay. Yeah, oh like, boy, you, you get the White Power Happy yeah. Hour. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. So we play the show and it's fine. And then later on, the postscript of that is that, that I actually, you know, told the booker, and she was like, "What? Are you fucking kidding me?" And it was it was like, "Yeah, you know, explain the situation of like we didn't feel like we were in a position that we wanted to cause hassle at the show, but." Just so you know, we're going to be, yeah. if you don't take action by this, we're going to have to like tell people we know and other bands that tour, whatever. And that guy got fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we played. I mean, even if he was kidding, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking, fucking matter. It's not funny. It's, there's yeah. nothing fucking funny. Yeah, no, it's there. just stupid. Aside from the fact that we're laughing about it, because it rhymes. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, I laughed pretty hard yeah. in retrospect. But. No, in retrospect, it's hilarious. But at the time, we were like, fuck, are we in a goddamn movie right now? Are you shitting me? Like, like these are a bunch of white supremacists. Like, Jesus fucking jumping Christ, really? Yeah, and, and that's funny, too, because I think the national perception of San Diego is it's all beautiful beaches and, like, like yeah. fitness facilities and, like, mm-hmm. like rollerbladers. And dude, there are yeah, San Diego is just as much a scumbag city as any other place. There right. is, there's some scummy shit going on there. And it's not like we were in Alabama or anything, but like you know, again, no. it goes to show you there are assholes and and fucking dicks mm-hmm. everywhere. But play the second show, and again, to, just to put in perspective, our friend who's like a nationally known author is like writing an article about this tour, mm-hmm. which this is only the second day, and there's already <laughs> been White Power Happy Hour as well as the yeah. incredible Gibbons Room story. Yeah, we play with this band that uh, in the in the second show <laughs> that's not our associates band they both seem like they're on the spectrum of some sort i'm not one to judge necessarily but they both are like, oh these are just weird dudes they're not white power happy hour weird <laughs> but they're just kind of like <laughs> locked into their thing you know what i mean yeah and they have this song that again it's crazy what you hold on to but they have, they had this song where the lyrics went what up margaret Cho? what up margaret Cho?" What up, Margaret Cho? What up, Margaret Cho? And that's it. That's those were the lyrics for the song. Mm. Oh man, it's sort of genius. <laughs> it's it's I mean, sort of weird, dude. It's like how many years later, and I still remember it. Yeah. So obviously, it's yeah, a written song. But nothing super eventful happened the rest of that night. That was that was enough. <laughs> the next day, we meet up with Toshi, who's produces all the Conan Neutron, the Secret Friends stuff, and is a very important part of that band. Mm-hmm. But he also did the last Victory and Associates record. So we're meeting him at a bagel shop. He's like, "Oh, come meet me at whatever the fuck bagels." That's not the name of it, although that would be a fine name for a bagel shop. It would. And then like, hey, we're almost there in text message. And he sends a text message back. I'm over by Andrew Dice Clay. (laughs) (laughs) Look just past Andrew Dice Clay and I'll be, that's where I am. So I'm like, is it a painting of Andrew Dice Clay or like a standee or like an autographed picture or something? Or like, is he really there? So we we park and we go over to the bagel shop and go over to like Toshi and, and his girlfriend. And sure enough, immediately at the table to the left in a gold gym sweatshirt is Andrew Dice Clay Woo. dictating what I assume is like notes or jokes into his phone, like a Star Trek uh-huh. communicator. And and we're like, oh, holy <laughs> shit. Okay. And so I'm like, all right, what? I'm not going to bother the guy, you know? Yeah. No big deal. Like, this is a man just having a bagel. And at one point, he was like selling out Madison Square Garden. And like, what? He's doing the work. <laughs> yeah, sure. We're over here talking about this record yeah. we're going to do. But he approached us and was like, hey, you, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do, do the voice. Just, just so we're clear. He had a thick New York accent. Uh, or is it Jersey? Is it New York? Oh, Christ. Jersey. It's definitely Jersey. So he had a thick Jersey accent. I know. You're going to get so many emails just from me saying that. By the way. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not going to do the voice. But, but he's, he's like, hey, are you guys in a band? 
We're like, yes, we are. Oh, yeah, I could kind of tell by the way you, you guys are walking together that you, you were in a band. And he started asking us questions about our band and our tour. And I'm like, <laughs> so weird. well, it's funny you ask Andrew Dice Clay because this has been a very eventful tour. And I specifically went to the White Power Happy Hour story, which I which mm -hmm. I told to him. And then he's like, very thought, I might add like, so the Andrew Dice Clay that we talked to was like dialed down. Yeah, I mean, like, he would be because he's a normal human being. Yeah, he's just yeah, having a baby. Yeah. Morning, you know? <laughs> he tells a story about how, like, when he was at the height of his popularity, that he would have these sellout crowds, but he would hate his audience. Like, his audience were just the biggest bunch of like knuckleheads <laughs> and dimwits. And, and he just didn't want it's true. It's true. Didn't want to meet them, didn't want to talk to them, didn't want to have anything to do with them. It was like, you see this kind of stuff in like a sitcom or something, yeah. and you're like, no. There's no way Andrew Dice Clay would be there to dispense some fatherly wisdom to this man. No way. <laughs> yeah. But he did. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, bless him. Yeah, and it was just a really interesting postscript to what was an eventful. Just it was literally just a weekend tour. Like, all this stuff happened like the same, yeah. in the same weekend. But that's how we met Andrew Dice Clay. He was nice enough to take a picture with us and our buddy. The biggest <laughs> bummer about all of this is that article never came out because I was like, dude, you were on the, the most eventful. Uh, yeah, he lost yeah. his tapes. Oh, so like no. he like started to, and then it became a whole thing. And I mean, I was like, ah, oh, but he was like, it's going to be in like spin or something. And I was like, ah, oh, Jesus fucking yeah. Christ. Hmm. Uh, that's how we met Andrew Dice Clay. And that is the story of White Power Happy Hour, which I think might have been your second question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Akimbo also had an Andrew Dice Clay sighting. The first time we were in Los Angeles, we were like a, super young. We were out with our buddies, Teen Cthulhu, who were super young. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we were just, we were just like bumming around Beverly Hills because we're we've never been to California before and we're like yeah right. let's go to Beverly Hills <laughs> so we're just like <laughs> it's a yeah, great place to be a scumbag. At, the, at the bottom there <laughs> and then yeah sure enough this fucking beautiful classic car comes driving by and the license plate says Dice Man and <laughs> <laughs> Brandon the, the bass player for Team Cthulhu looks at the he's like is that is that the Dice Man and he's like it is <laughs> and this is back before, you know, digital cameras and stuff. And we just all have like the disposable rolling cameras. <laughs> of course. Yeah. That Brandon is like, like, fuck it. I need a picture of Andrew Dice Clay. And he just starts running after the car, like into traffic, winding the, the disposable <laughs> camera, trying to get pictures of him. Like, chasing, chasing down Andrew Dice Clay in the middle Holy of the shit. street. Who, by the way, is famous for punching people who are trying to like take his picture. <laughs> right. yeah. As we just yeah. mentioned with my story, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. Oh my god! You just reminded me yet again that there was another another time the replicator was in Los Angeles. We somehow ended up at this like party with celebrities. Like Charlize Theron was there. I didn't see her, but she was there. And there was this pool that nobody was swimming in. I had swim trunks packed. Mm -hmm. very LA. Yeah, because I learned a long time ago, <laughs> always pack swimming trunks. You never know when you're going to find a spa or yes, a pool. Always, always pack swimming yeah, trunks. I agree. Trunks. I'm going goddamn swimming. And there were just some kids swimming. Like, they got in as well. I was like, okay, cool. It's me and these kids swimming. And then, turns out, like, I go over to this treehouse because this, like, beautiful, like, amazing, like, treehouse master style treehouse. Mm -hmm. And it's just me and this guy. And I was like, yeah, I can't believe all, all these people around. Nobody's fucking swimming in this beautiful pool. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my kids love it though. I'm like, oh, those are your kids? Oh, they're really nice. And I was like, yeah, just like this treehouse. And then he gives a very specific treehouse design related comment. I'm like, oh, you know your tree houses. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I look then I look over. 
and it's Scott Bakula <laughs> uh, from Quantum Leap and yeah. Star Trek Enterprise. I have to explain who Scott Bakula is. To my credit, I don't crack at all. I'm just like, yeah, so nothing about tree houses is blah, blah, blah. And we just sit there and fucking bullshit about tree houses Bad for like ass. five minutes. That's how you got to do it, though. You can't you told, family it's like, Oh, my dad and I used to watch Quantum Leap together. It was always a very communal thing. Yeah, that we no, who exactly. gives a shit? He's fucking yeah. there with his goddamn kids, you know? He's just glad the kids have his fucking hair. And let's talk about yeah. Trias and some fucking rock and roll dude. Whatever. Who gives a shit? <laughs> So I, I want to say that, again, as a fan of the show, I really enjoy you guys do a really good job of bringing out the sort of brotherhood or sisterhood, if you will, mm-hmm. and good times of, of being a, a touring band while being realistic about it. Camaraderie, yes. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, the trench warfare style camaraderie that happens yeah. from being on. There are other shows that try to do this model, but thus far... I think you guys do the best job of it. So I just wanted to. Oh, thanks, buddy. And that's coming from someone who has been putting out a pretty fucking killer podcast for a while. So I appreciate that, man. Real quick, tell everyone about your podcast, Conan. So for the last six years, I've done this show called Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. It's a Ghostbusters reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it started off being a, actually a morning radio show, if you will, where, where I had um, some interviews on and it gradually turned into be more interview based so i just have i have people on whose art i like yeah that's the correlating fact so it tends to be a lot of heavy and noise rock bands but there's also like other folks that are involved and the conceit of it is sort of why do you do what you do mm-hmm. yeah it's cool because i have a worldview and experience set that comes from putting out records and touring as long as i have not saying that like you know whatever there's people that tour way fucking harder and you know, there's, I do a lot more than a lot of people and a lot less than others, yeah. but I have a certain sure. experience set that allows for a different kind of conversation that tends to allow people to open up in different ways. And for me, it's kind of filling a hole for a show that I would want to listen to. Yeah. We're in. Yeah. I mean, it's kind mm-hmm. of what you guys do too. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's yeah. the exact reason why this podcast exists. <laughs> yeah. Cause we wanted it. And every once in a while, especially when there's new listeners, people will be like, like Oh, there's too much interrupting or whatever. I'm like, fucking discussion. I never says the interview. This isn't fucking fresh air motherfucker like fuck off nope go listen to something else there's only about a hundred thousand other podcasts <laughs> that's the like vote for someone else mindset i guess that i do a really good job of promoting the show I'm like oh, fuck you yeah. <laughs> you don't like it fuck you yeah if you don't like it fuck <laughs> off yeah but it's uh one of the things that makes it different from a lot of podcasts is it's uh, broadcast live so it's broadcast live thursdays mm. 8 p.m eastern 7 p.m central 6 p.m mountain 5 p.m pacific and there's rarely any editing. And that is for yeah. good reason. Uh, what I found is it's a different kind of show. Like, I mean. Yeah, it feels that way. And I like that about cool. it. Cool. It's, it's way more original. It's still polished. It's still pro. Yeah. But it feels that way to me. And, and I really appreciate that. Good. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that works. Because, like, and for me, it's just because I just got so much better. Like, my, my learning curve was, like, exponential as the show. Like, if you listen mm-hmm. to the early episodes, like. Christ, like I had Brian Giles on in like episode three or four. And it's like, it's a good thing I know that dude because I'm sure he wouldn't have <laughs> been for it otherwise. But, but that said, it's cool in these times of trouble that folks are kind of finding the archive and, and digging into it. Because it's sort yeah. of like, as for instance, I had Ray Washam from Scratch Acid and Rape Man. Love that band. And Ministry. And yeah. like a bunch of. Yeah. But, 
who's looking for a Ray Washam podcast? Well, I was. Me. So, <laughs> yeah. And like what I found is a bunch of people found the show and they felt compelled to write me like, hey, man, I really appreciated you having Ray on. Like, I had no idea what that dude was up to. Well, all my favorite podcasts, most of them are conversational. It's yeah. it's people, you know, hanging out, talking with each other about a thing. But I like them because it feels like you're in the room with them. And that's that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to do with, with this show. I like hearing Akimbo and Blood Hag stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like have them like inter- <laughs> just interjected like here and there. Because I mean, actually, John. I mean, you and I we played a bunch of shows together way back when. But yeah. like you know, like Jeff, I saw you guys play at like a library in San Francisco. Yeah, and- I'm sure we've rubbed shoulders so many times. Back I was in the obsessed day, with them. Like, you know? we have to fucking play shows with these dudes because we were so yeah. like weird sci-fi nerds and replicator. I'm like, oh, it'd be the perfect, perfect show. And we and we never did. And actually, um, I find that to be really, really weird. That's weird that we never. I know Matt Shapiro was even like, you got to play a blood hag. I'm like, yeah, dude. Yep. Yeah. Like, like let's fucking did and we never fucking did it because we had like multiple songs about nanotechnological assassination. Yeah. Not one, <laughs> multiple ones. But I'm like, these dudes fucking get it, bro. And it never happened. It's shocking to me. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that too, man. I seriously. But I, I liked your band as well. And I know I've talked a lot about John because, you know, him and I were both in this shit. And like, I play with bands today on tour that are coming from a place where they're younger. Mm-hmm. And to them, like a band like Carp was like, oh, that was like, they were just as big as the Smashing Pumpkins. And it's like, I assure you, <laughs> nope. that was not the case. That is not the case they at were all. Not. But they look fondly upon Akimbo as, as like, oh, those yeah. guys, they were awesome. It's like, yeah, they ate shit for years. And years, <laughs> yeah. and years, just like my band. You know how I know that? We played a lot of the same fucking shows. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And you know what? We never stopped eating shit. We just ate shit yeah. and ate shit and ate shit, and then we gave up. And you gave up. <laughs> but, like, but, but then they look at it from an outsider's perspective, and because of the records yeah. have aged well, and without any of that context, yeah. like, oh, yeah, they were this like you know big, important band. It's like, well, yeah, but important doesn't mean that anybody gave a fuck at the time. No. no nope, but the amount of touring that yeah. they did made it important. I always respected that about Akimbo. I was always like, those guys yeah. are doing what I wish I could do because touring 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 is the only way to like kind of garner that like okay i was in a band in which everyone in seattle had seen my band at least once it was just one of those things yeah Mm -hmm. because we were a nerdy weird thing and somebody's friend of a friend was like i gotta take you to see the show if they hated it or even if they enjoyed it they'd never see us again but akimbo you would go when they came into town you would go replicator was a band for pretty close to 10 years for the most part we all got along really well we're like siblings right brothers right but there's one instance with uh, and and for the large majority of the band's lifetime we were a three-piece we actually had todd grant from greenlight the bombers on second guitar for like uh, the last couple years so Mm -hmm. i have two stories of band fights one of which is that we were um driving pretty long distance i don't remember from where to where but we ended up in raleigh north carolina playing king's barcade we played with a band that sounded quite a bit like breadwinner that a female bass player that kept grabbing all the male man i love breadwinner breadwinner is great and and, and this band was like like less good breadwinner but like she kept grabbing everybody's nuts which I thought was kind of a weird move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, it was like a power move or just like yeah. bored. I don't know. But like I'm sitting there and I'm really excited to talk to my friend Dale Flatham from Steel Pole Bathtub, one of my favorite bands of all time. Mine too. Who at the time lived in North Carolina. And really excited if I can talk to him and like hang out. For whatever reason, I don't remember why because it's been like years and years and years. But Ben was just being kind of a snit. Like he was just being like a, I don't remember why, but he was being annoying about Uh something. This is how I remember. And kept interrupting me, like talking to Dale Flatham, which I was like, this is one of the dudes in my 
most favorite bands of all time. I never yeah. get to talk to this guy. Why do you keep fucking annoying me with this inane bullshit? So I was, I started to get kind of pissed at him. We got into an argument. Funny thing is, I don't even remember anything about the set. I'm sure it was fine. <laughs> but like, I remember the argument. <laughs> so again, to be explicitly clear, no fucking idea what we were arguing about. No idea. <laughs> but like, he wasn't backing down. I sure as fuck wasn't backing down. I really don't, but I really didn't back then. Like, I was a terror. So then we're like doing the, the, the hustle at the end of the show. We're trying to figure out where we're going to stay. And this guy who's at the show was like, oh man, you can stay with us. Oh, yeah, no, no, not even us. He was like, you can stay with me, man. You can stay at my place. I'm a cook. I can like cook you guys up like a big old meal. Like, it'll be awesome. I'm like, I'm like, fuck yeah. That sounds fucking great. Yeah. Let's go do that. So we load up the gear and he's like, I'll meet you guys outside when you're in your van. Oh, okay, cool. So we're loading up the gear. We get the last bit of the gear in and we just hear this, this, you know, cartoon peel out noise. And this dude comes up in a Camaro and like totally does like, you know, fucking dust cloud. I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Fucking this guy. All right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's a quite the entrance. And I'm still super pissed at Ben. And this isn't a time before GPS. So it's not like this dude just give us his address and we would just be like, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I'm gonna ride with no, this. No, you dude. had to follow that. You fucker. guys ride on your own. And and I'm like, that's great, because that gives me time away from Ben. Oh yeah. And so I get in the car with this guy. I'm like, fuck yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. Tell me about your life. Tell me about North Carolina. Let's fuck yeah. Cool. He fucking peels out yet again. It's apparently the only thing he does. Uh. Well, Camaro. And as he as he's peeling out in his Camaro, he starts kind of like his driving's a little erratic. And then I'm like, hmm. oh, this guy's fucking wasted. Like this guy has <laughs> no business driving. And just like they say in a gangster movie, you know, they say you never go to a second location with someone, you never get in the car. Yeah. Like, yes. I just got in the car yeah. to go to the second yeah. location. <laughs> <laughs> this dude's, to be clear, hauling ass hauling ass yeah and, and like and like i see chris and ben i'm like looking behind to see the van like okay they're behind me I'm, okay cool they're still behind me fuck they're so far back though christ okay this is a they're like trying so i'm worried about them being able again caveat cell phones are so ubiquitous now yeah that it's like ferris bueller's day off is a different movie with cell phones. it never would have happened. never would have happened there's a whole <laughs> so this story i'm telling you would not have happened with cell phones i've been like dude this dude's wasted mm -hmm. you know like whatever like we would have figured something out but like i'm sitting here and this guy's like hey check this out you know what darwin award winners say before they die <laughs> does this crazy fucking <laughs> swerve almost into a ditch with a turnaround that's like i can only describe it as a bootleggers turn yeah cool. and i'm just like fuck 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 like <laughs> this is how i die yeah this is gonna be how i die yeah one of those moments and he's like haha that was fun right i'm like ha, ha, ha. i'm literally about to open the door to get out and again fucking peels out and it's fucking Camaro, and I'm just like, oh my fucking god! And is the van keeping up with you guys? Like with his bootleggers turn, the the oh Chris that and, helps. Chris and Ben actually manage to catch up like while this happens. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm like, oh yes, yeah, so uh, fucking Raleigh, right? Oh, shit must be crazy. Like I'm trying to engage <laughs> him in conversation, and not getting more stunt driving because I don't fucking need any more stunt mm -hmm. driving in my life at the moment in time from a drunk guy. <laughs> and I'm also kind of like looking out for cops. We're going outside these crazy like country roads. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's no cops to be found. There's no help to be found. There's no cops to be found. Notice that those are two different things yes <laughs> and so so we get to the guy's place 
he stops the fucking car. I basically open the door and like almost want to kiss the ground, right? Yeah. <laughs> but what, what what actually happens is Ben and Chris pull up immediately. Ben gets out of the van. I go over and I just give him like the biggest hug. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I almost died, dude. I don't know what we were arguing yeah, about. What we, I don't so even know sorry. what we're arguing about. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I love you, man. You're my brother, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Just like this big, like, you know, I'm just like so happy to be alive. Yeah. So postscript to this story. This motherfucker brings us into his gigantic place and cooks us a fucking seven course meal at like three o'clock in the morning. Badass. And it's all worked out. So, I mean, I guess you could say it worked out. That's great. And then you also, you kind of bring up one of the stresses of tour that nobody thinks about, which is having to follow people who don't know how they need to drive to <laughs> yes. have a right. van full of gear successfully <laughs> follow Maybe them you can move so like, as fast like, as your vehicle can yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and, and these people they want to set you up with a place to stay and like hey come stay at my place it's just in town they know their town and you're they just like there. drive like they normally yeah. drive in town they don't think that you're in a it's not just in town yeah well and like they don't think that you're in, you've never been to that town yeah. you have a 15 passenger <laughs> van with a trailer no on it. you can't <laughs> yeah, accelerate exactly. like they can they're running yellow lights <laughs> and not stopping and like waiting for uh, you. And it's just like, yes, it's such a unique, weird stress of just like yeah, following fuck. strangers to their houses. Totally. And they don't know how, yeah, they don't know how to drive slow. That's awesome. And normally I'm always the guy that drives a van and I'll make someone else go with them. But again, at that moment in time, mm. I was so pissed at Ben over bullshit and any yeah. nonsense that like, <laughs> but yeah, um, the other time that I got into a near altercation was more physical. Now it's like with Chris, who is not someone you want to ever want to fuck with. Like he's definitely the guy that when we need to get paid, send him in. Yeah. Well, no, no, send me in. Yeah. Cause I'm fucking crazy and I'm intense, but then uh, him behind me where it's like, okay, it's like, <laughs> oh, I it's like a Wolverine, the Hulk Marvel team up. <laughs> Cause I don't look like much, but people will look at my eyes and like, Oh, this, this motherfucker is nuts. Give him whatever mm, he wants. Yeah. But when I got like Chris behind me, he was like, <laughs> and like, he's actually a personal trainer now. Like he actually changed vocation mm. and, and like, he's even more jacked than he ever was. So it's like, but anyway, we used to play Phoenix, Arizona a lot. There was a all ages joint. We like playing a lot called modified arts. Yeah. We played there. Yeah. Once again, I don't even remember what we're pissed at each other about, but I was pissed at him. He was pissed at me. Fucking play this show. The end of it. Chris is up in my face. I'm up in his face. I'm like, you fucking motherfucker, you selfish prick, blah, blah, blah. And he's like in my face. It was like, you fucking piece of shit, blah, blah. Like we're just at each other's throats, fucking mm-hmm. super pissed at what we're about. Like it's, it's about to be like, all right, here we go. You know, Rocky versus Creed. Let's do this. <laughs> Meanwhile, poor Ben is like just packing up his gear, like rolling cables and like, all right, I don't yeah. know what to do here. And we're sitting there. It's escalating. It's escalating. We're about to like, someone's going to take a swing at one guy, you know, like whatever. And then suddenly like, there's like a almost comical break in the tension. And I look over to the right. These three kids there have been watching the show. I was like, Hey, we just want to know if we could buy some merch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so embarrassing. And I'm just like, yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Deep breath. You can buy some merch. They saw the whole thing. Yes, you can. So I walk away from, from Chris, <laughs> sell these kids some CDs and t-shirts, whatever the fuck. And, and like afterwards, we're like, I'm sorry, dude. I was like, I'm sorry, too. But as we're leaving the Modified Arts parking lot, which is kind of a dirt parking lot with like a bunch of divots and like mm-hmm. uneven ground in the way that happens in some places, we kind of bottom out. I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks foreshadowing and so that we (laughs) we drive we're driving and this is the end of the tour so we're driving back we're driving back right we go through california it's around santa nella it's driving along in the freeway driving along suddenly boom i'm like oh shit you know i think we 
blue tire. Fuck. And so like, that's when I learned I'm a good crisis driver. Cause I just moves over very calmly mm-hmm. to the side of the road. I'm like, Oh man, yeah. oh, I can't believe we blew a tire. Crazy. So we walk out and y'all know hot wheels, right? Like the hot wheels cars. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever known like, have you ever like your dad, like step on one and like break one? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And the, the, yeah. So <laughs> when you break, when, when you step on a hot wheels and you just fundamentally break it, that's what the van looked like. Cause the rear axle had been leaking fluid <laughs> oh, the entire no. time and had snapped in half. Uh-huh. So it wasn't that the, the, oh. the tire wasn't the problem. It was the axle that was literally snapped in half. So we're sitting here being like, oh my fuck, I can't believe this is happening. And then like, oh my God, the van's sitting on the gas tank. And then like cartoon characters, we kind of like <laughs> jump up and kind, of, and kind of like jump back. And it did, it did not explode, luckily. Yeah. We got yeah. towed to like a local shop. It was this guy, Bam. Yeah, that's his name. It's <laughs> his name. His slogan okay. <laughs> was, in a jam, call Bam. Call Bam. Well, it's easy to remember, at yeah. least. <laughs> <laughs> and Bam's sidekick was a guy that I can only describe as Uncle Traveling Matt from Fraggle Rock writ large as a Muppet mixed with one of the larger monsters. <laughs> what? That's so intense. He spoke a lot, but I couldn't uh-huh. tell you a single fucking word this guy yeah, said. So Bam was just sitting there and glad handing. And like his Bam's assistant was like doing all the work of getting everything yeah. set up. And <laughs> <laughs> and I like, look over Chris and Ben. I'm like, can you understand what this fucking guy's saying? He's like, no, not at all. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like trying to make jokes. And the thing is, he's like actively trying to make conversation. I'm like, it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that, that was the death of the third replicator van, the War Pig. No, no, sorry, <laughs> second replicator van, the War Pig. They were all named after Black Sabbath song titles. Uh, the last of which, nice. the Supernaut, I still have to this day that I got in the last. The last year of Replicator, I got it at 17,000 miles then. It's got 240,000 now. No rolls? Is it a Dodge? And Whoa. it's a Ford Econoline. The and, Ford, um, yeah. That's what's going to be my I've run question. into people that I know from like way back when. They're like, this can't possibly be the same van. I'm like, motherfucker. It that only rule, is possible. Dude. It is. That's amazing. I'm pretty sure I got cut out of Eric's touring documentary, but the van is still in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Funny was it from the uh, Bismarck I'm talking about. Gotcha. I think it's called Why Am I Doing This? He's been working on it for it seems like a thousand years. Keep the van in it, though. The van stays in the picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now is a good time to take a quick break and listen to some Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. So, Victory and Associates, this was during the 2012 election, Romney versus Obama. We had played a show in Denver the night before. The debate that night was in Denver. The, the next day, sorry. So, we were like, oh, fuck. And our show was at Vaville Muse in 
Des Moines, Iowa, long drive. Dude, yeah. <laughs> but we knew that if we didn't get out in time, we were going to be fucked because they were going to like close roads because of the motorcade. Parts of the city were going to be shut down. We're like, fuck, we got we to gotta get gone early and we got to get gone good. So we like psych ourselves up to do it. All right, fuck, yeah, we're going to leave at like 6 a.m. You know, nobody takes a shower. We're not mm-hmm. getting coffee, blah, blah, blah. You know, like whatever. We, we go through all our stuff. We get out. We get out of Denver. No blockades. We get out before everything's happening. We are just flat out dislocating a shoulder, patting ourselves on the back so hard. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, man, who's the smartest band in the history of rock and roll? We are, fuck yeah, we rule, yeah. we rule, we rule. Just like so pleased with ourselves for like maybe like a half hour. Mm-hmm. And then we're just like driving through the plains. And, and again, we talked earlier about navigation, certain stories that wouldn't be stories if right. you have GPS. And we haven't talked that much about the Atlas, but how, how vital the Atlas was You had to, to have. have an Atlas and you had to buy it every year because they would update that shit. Because roads get closed, yep. you end up in some fucking weird yep. mountain that like, you know, oh no, that's Indian burial ground now. Oh, okay, Christ, I had no idea. So this was 2012. So we had GPS. So I'm sitting here, you know, I, I finally decided to like check the GPS. Oh, I wonder, you know, we're going to get to our mm-hmm. to the show. Like better let everyone know. I'm like, oh, that seems long. <laughs> hmm, interesting. So I zoom out from the GPS. To be clear, our show is in Iowa, in Des Moines, which is about center yeah. of the state. I'm like, guys, we're in Kansas. <laughs> And everyone's like, what, what, what? It's like, yeah, we took, we took oh, the no. wrong freeway. <laughs> we're supposed to be in Iowa, and we're actually in Kansas right now. Like, we are a full state away. Like, no, totally. <laughs> we are in Kansas, oh no. <laughs> so it's the reverse of a we're not in Kansas anymore. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> so I was like, okay, fuck, let me figure this out. So I'm like frantically trying to like, you know, the GPS is like, I don't know what the fuck you're trying to do. You're crazy. You know, figure out, I'm like, okay, cool. We'll cut up here. We'll cut through like rural Kansas and that'll get us back in the freeway we need to be on. We're going to lose about an hour and a half, but we're not going to get there early. We're going to get there maybe 20 minutes before we're supposed to play. Okay, fine. We'll deal with it. So we're driving through rural Kansas. We drive through this town called Hoxie. H-O-X-I-E. Hoxie, Kansas. That's a children of the corn shit right there. Well, you're more accurate than you might know because as we're driving through this town that has a 20 mile per hour speed limit in their main street. Jesus Christ. Which street might be disingenuous because it's more of a dirt fucking road yeah. mm-hmm. driving 20 miles per hour because i mean i think anybody that's in a band knows this but for younger cats that might be listening we know this if you're in a rural area obey the speed limits always 100 percent of the time yes. with no deviation always it's you'd rather be late to the show than be stopped by like a fucking state trooper or a, a small town yeah, small town so we're sitting there just driving you know 20 miles per hour down an empty street in hoxie kansas and there's this shirtless kid with no shoes on that's just clocking us like watching us in a way that like he's never seen anything like this before like it's basically yeah. this is a goddamn ufo site for this kid like this uh-huh. this kid's never seen a band come through doesn't know like you know like fit bands tour in van like yeah like this is such a foreign experience for this kid just having an average like you know whatever tuesday you know standing around yeah kicking dirt or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck he's up to in hoxie kansas yeah. staring across yeah, the street staring into the middle distance i don't know like what <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so point of fact is we get through Hoxie, we get through the rest of Kansas, we get back on the Iowa interstate, we get to the show. 
you know, we're like, oh, fuck, I hope it's not a situation where you have to, uh, like, load in immediately and play. God, that would be so terrible. We've been there. And actually, in this case, they were like, oh, no, you don't have to. Like, don't worry about it. We, like, move the show back an hour. Okay, cool. And the, sh- and the show was fine. That's definitely something that probably would not have happened so much with an Atlas that happened with the GPS. I just wasn't looking at it because I was like, yeah. fuck, yeah, got yeah. out of town. Got out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I can tell you there's been other situations where, you know, the having to load in immediately happened as well. Like, in Replicator, we left Indianapolis and we had a show in Wilmington, Delaware. <laughs> These are the kind of routings that insane people do or kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got to think about it. You got to think about it. <laughs> well, honestly, really, though, like when you're not a big band, you got to take what you can get, right? You take what you can and, get. And yeah. There's a lot of like strategy and planning that goes into like setting up your tour yeah. out the gate. We're like, like, OK, I know we can get a show in San Francisco. Right. I know we can get a show in L.A. It sure would be nice to break up that drive. What do we do? And we're not a band where we can just call up a club and they'll yeah. be like, oh yeah, we've heard of you guys. We'll yeah, book you. Exactly. You, you got to take what you're offered. and Yeah. And you got to get strategic in there. This maybe was our second US tour. I can't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but I knew this was going to be a long drive. So we left early. We did all the right things. So we drive through Indiana, you know, we drive through Pennsylvania. It's a long ass drive. And I'm like, well, it's going to be at that brand limit of what I want to do, but okay, fine. We'll get there. Of course, what I didn't factor in was Philadelphia uh, traffic. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's <laughs> so what was 11 hour and change drive into being about a 13 and change drive <sighs> to which we drive up to the venue in Wilmington, Delaware. Why I said this, I have no idea. I was like, oh, man, I hope we don't have to load in and play immediately. <laughs> you know, you did. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that. And of course you do we fucking roll up. They're like, hey, are you replicator? You're the touring band. I'm like, yeah, I'm like you have to load in and play immediately. I'm like, Mm-hmm. So after a 13 and half, 45 minute drive, we load on stage through a clown's mouth. There's a gigantic clown. I don't know how I missed this detail, but you walk through the clown's mouth to yeah. get into the venue, and we're like, fuck. So we, we load in, and wouldn't you know it, there's nobody there. Shocking. Oh, yeah. But you must play immediately. There's like five people there, but you yeah. have to play immediately. It's incredibly, incredibly important, important to play immediately. So we play the local band that night actually had a dude that looked exactly like the Crypt Keeper and they were Neat. a rockabilly band, but he really leaned into it. He had like a hearse that was super fucking tricked out. The second you know, Crypt, Crypt Keeper, Keeper so he, reference he, of that, the night, by the way. It is. It is. This dude really mm-hmm. wanted to party afterwards, but we were not into it. And we're like, you know what? This is maybe this may be a missed <laughs> yeah. opportunity, but I'm okay with it. But here's the thing that I missed is this night, the fucking driving 13 and a half hours to play Wilmington, Delaware, loading into a clown's mouth to play this show was Chris's birthday. Oh my oh, god. No. <laughs> Happy birthday. We were not given any drink tickets yeah. for this show. Oh, that's too. classy. But I, I walk up to the bartender. I'm like, hey, you know, we're from Oakland. We're, we're pretty far from home. We're in the band that just played. It's this guy's birthday. The bartender kind of like chews his cud for a minute and goes, so? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what a cock. <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, we're from if it's your actual birthday, you know, sometimes people are given like a free drink and we did drive 13 and a half hours to be here. So like, <sighs> And he just <laughs> walks away and grabs, like, I don't know, a Stroh's yeah, or a fucking sure. Coors Something. or whatever. Whatever what the shittiest fucking most terrible, like, drink ticket beer that you can think of. And hands it to him, like, here you go. Like, as if he's doing <laughs> some, like, huge fave. And so that was Chris's birthday for whatever that year was. Well, Conan, maybe it was also the bartender's birthday. Yeah, that's and no true. One <laughs> <wish him laughs> so it's acknowledging his birthday. <laughs> I mean, who knows, like, what's going on? You know, I mean, this poor motherfucker is a fucking bartender and woman. In Delaware, that has a clown's yeah. mouth, you have to walk through to get to work. Like, I mean, Christ, it's demoralizing talking about it. You know what I mean? 
for fuck's sake it's not like hotels and wine and roses right like who who no. will host you is who you stay with and that is just like a roll the dice motherfucker. No. let's see what's going on <laughs> yep. so there's good and there's bad there, and yes. there's like somewhere in the middle yep. definitely one of the worst was when we stayed at this place that the guy could not have been cooler could not have been sweeter his band was awesome fucking cool guy we get into the place and it's just like rash this is probably the best way to put it like there's there's <laughs> that's a nice way to put it there's music here everywhere mm-hmm. and i guess they they practice sure. or record there's something there like there's amps and things everywhere but the charitable way to say is it's cluttered and uh we're just like oh oh oh, okay so uh the (laughs) the guy toasting us was like oh yeah you know pick a place wherever i'm like all right i guess i'll sleep over by this ampeg fridge i mean (laughs) got our sleeping bag so i guess that's fine and so we're kind of like sitting amongst ourselves trying to figure out what's what and who's who and we see this cat walk up and (laughs) our host says oh yeah that's boris and we're like oh cool and Boris walks over to Chris's <laughs> pillow, starts sniffing it, mm. <laughs> turns around and fucking starts doing like the tail wiggling thing and sprays the fucking <laughs> shit out of his pillow. Like, oh, no, 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 oh no, 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 like, like, not actually like doing anything to the cat. Like, oh no! Like, the cat clearly doesn't respect him, doesn't recognize his authority. He's like, man, I do what I fucking want. Yeah. He's like, who are these assholes in my house? Yeah, this, you're in my house, motherfucker. I'll fucking or show you what kind else. of it is. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. so we're, we're uh, Chris is just like speechless. Like, what the? F- are you fucking kidding me? Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're a week into this tour. Are you fucking yeah. shitting me? So your pillow's dead at that point. It's dead. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We might have, bro. I know. And Boris the cat just patrolling around looking for foreign objects. And I'm like, you know, grabbing my shit. I'm like, fucking think again, motherfucker. I'll make a cat sandwich. But we're like fucking Uh barely slept on that because we're like watching for this cat to fucking, you know, he's patrolling his territory trying trying to keep us away. And then the shower was like tossing his shit, like black mold, all fucked up. We kept being like, you know, like someone's got to watch this goddamn cat the whole time. Nice. Keep this cat in your sights. I love it. The cat just like straight up. Like Boom. the second you guys walk in, the cat's like, <laughs> this is my place. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> oh, what baby are you? Yeah, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that yeah. fridge smelled like cat piss. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it's his pillow. It's like, it's what you yeah. put your Dude, face on. <laughs> for real. And I, if I remember, we went, to, we went to Target and we uh, picked up another one for him the next day. But I, I mean, if, if we hadn't been in it, the uh, sheer audacity yeah, of it all would have been hilarious. But I was just like, are you fucking yeah. kidding and the fact that like the human did yeah. literally nothing oh no boris bad cat yeah. don't do that <laughs> oh yeah oh. yeah that he seems awesome. to really respect your authority <laughs> yeah fuck out of here <laughs> hey i think we got time for another replicator song let's play another one okay So early on, I want to say it was the first big U.S. tour we did. The furthest away that I ever had played at the time was in Palmer, Massachusetts. 
And for me, I used to get real, you know, whatever. It's not like the magic is gone, but like little poignant moments mm-hmm. like that were uh, like really important to me where I'm like, oh, wow, I'm further away than I've ever. I never really traveled before. Touring. Sure. So like I was like, oh, this is important. This is a big deal. This is like, oh, this is so interesting. I've never been to this part of the U.S. even. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. And we played this place called The Shed, which I assumed was like, oh, it's the all ages base or the bar. It's called The Shed. Ha ha. Funny. And we're, so we're driving up. We're like, this seems like somebody's house. All right. And there's like, you know, <laughs> trees around. It kind of looks like a Stephen mm-hmm. King novel, like not in a creepy way. It's like, you know, it's got that pastoral, uh-huh. like, north, northeastern kind of thing. <laughs> and then we're like, as we're driving up, we see all we see in the backyard that there's this shed, mm-hmm. literal shed, where there's all these kids kind of, like, around it. And we're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> it's an actual shed. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Awesome. We're like, all right, well, fucking, you know, let's roll with it. There's actually a pretty decent turnout. The other bands are pretty good. If you need to pee, if you don't want to go pee in the woods, you actually have to ask the kids' parents inside like i like walk in the house i'm like hey i was like oh hey are you um you know so-and-so's friend i'm like yep i'm like i just like to use the restroom if that's cool oh yeah it's right over there and they're like watching matlock or whatever you know it's having a night <laughs> matlock of course and i'm like all right that's fucking bizarre and there are these like crazy like uh you know girl of uh, tom gordon fucking woods in the back where it's like oh, christ fucking bizarre like northeast business so we play the show and it's fine it's good i mean it's actually a pretty good show and then afterwards yeah everybody at the show in in palmer massachusetts like hey let's go to you know this diner like whatever like this diner is and so the entire show kind of like picks up steaks and goes to this diner and they buy us dinner that's great awesome which is so rad because it's one of those things where it's like when you're super far away from home like it's really easy to get lost and like wow i'm at sea I'm at fucking sea right now, <laughs> and there's no friendly territory anywhere nearby me. To have something like that and have to speak a bunch of like kids that are like in this, this isn't like a big town. This is a town of like you know five thousand yeah. people or something. This motherfucker's throwing shows in a shed, a literal <laughs> shed. That's it's not a venue. It's a literal shed. But we just came from Oakland, goddamn California, to play all our fucking songs about fucking yeah. like weird like dystopian sci-fi bullshit over to it, and they couldn't have been a cooler audience. Now they're buying us fucking dinner. That's awesome. Nice. Which is great. So it just goes to show you that sometimes things can turn out better than you expect. Totally. Although weir- weirder than Indeed. you expected too. Akimbo had a good friend in Medford who had a shed in his backyard who would throw shows in a nice. shed. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It reminds me of Stacy. Stacy's fucking shed that we would play and it was killer Stacey every time Shrug. there might be 12 rest people peace, there wonderful man oh man rest in peace i miss him i love him i miss that guy it also reminds me of another story too akimbo had some really reliable people in houston that we would always like play shows with and stay with when we were down there they would always do our shows and we, we basically always roll in there were a couple and we, we would just like stay at their apartment or wherever they were living at the time mm-hmm. pretty good friends of the band and i think we had maybe two shows in the houston area with them we were just staying with them and one of them fell through like last minute Mm -hmm. it was the kind of deal where we're like we had a whole like day off planned with them but they were super resourceful they were very like involved in like the diy punk scene they had their finger on the pulse of all the shows and all the places to play and they were really active and like super proactive about like making shows happen Mm -hmm. and so they were like yeah you know your show fell through but whatever come stay with us and we'll see if we can figure something out yeah yeah so we roll into town we play the show the night before i think we had two shows in a row but next day they're like okay, I think we got you guys a show. We're like, oh, fuck, yes. Sweet. And they're like, yeah, we got a house show set up for you guys. Mm -hmm. It's going to be awesome. It's in this kid's bedroom. And we're like, what? (laughs) And they're like, yeah. Is that code for something? What what does that that mean? (laughs) Yeah, they're like, we know this guy, Donnie. His name wasn't Donnie. I don't know. It is now. 
Your name is Donnie yeah, now, yeah. motherfucker. Thanks, Donnie. Sometimes when bands are in a pinch, like he's got a band, he practices in his bedroom. His parents are chill. It's cool. We got you guys a show in his bedroom. His parents uh, are and- chill. Famous last words. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't tour, which probably most people listen to this do, but like that sentence is usually not true. The parents are usually no, not chill no. with any of that. And, no, it happens, but it's very rare. And, and, so rare. And it's it's, it's like, like unicorn rare. And like Donnie, who lives with his parents and practices in his room, probably has like a 10-inch crate combo. That's probably what yeah, he practices yeah. in his yeah, room yeah, with, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is not like a Kimbo size yeah. gear. I've got yeah, this is pause, 20 the watt amp. It's pretty good. It's got yeah. an 8-inch speaker. You know. <laughs> it gets loud, man. It gets louder than you think. <laughs> but when you're on tour you just kind of shoulder shrug and be like all right we'll see what happens replicator played with big gear and we were a loud band but like almost every yeah. time we played with you guys i'm like fuck man akimbo's fucking loud you gotta be loud jesus yeah and and, and good I mean, loud and good like because there are bands that are just loud and there are bands that are good but you guys were loud and good i mean it wasn't like high on fire like level of difference <laughs> don't get me wrong but like yeah y'all were pretty loud it was not like better mm-hmm. than level volume Let's put it that way. So we do it. We we go to this kid's house. His parents have a nice house in the Burbs out in Houston. We load in like monstrous amounts of equipment into this poor kid's bedroom. <laughs> and we set it up. Four by twelves pushing past the fucking, you know, <laughs> the back room. Yeah, and there's no room. And it's like twelve. <laughs> the live, laugh, love poster, and like, you know, know you're pushing the fucking I know it's like the giant, cabinet the giant wooden spoon on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. yeah. <laughs> spoon and fork. So we load into this kid's bedroom and we set up all of our shit and like maybe like twelve people come, which is packed for a bedroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course exactly. it is. Yeah. It's a packed house. You're talking about. We haven't had a turnout like this in a long yeah. time. <laughs> and so the <laughs> like usually like the philosophy when you're in a situation like that where you're assuming it's going to shut down, yeah. we're just like, all right, let's figure out our set and we just play it as fast and hard as we can until it's over. Yeah, play through. <laughs> and we did it, and it was fucking great. It was great. The kids like went nuts. It was like this teeny tiny yeah. little like magical moment that happened in this kid's mm-hmm. bedroom, and turns out. His parents were chill. They didn't give a fuck. They were cool. They did not care. They fed the bands afterwards. We were like, I remember hanging out in their living room. One exception. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Like the one time that that actually works out the way that everyone says it's going to be. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Chilling in a recliner, eating spaghetti that the kid's mom made for. Yeah. It was awesome. As one does. It was great. It's yeah. So lucky. <laughs> Rad. Sometimes shit works out. Shit. So we like on the show, as you know, you've listened. We like to find out who's got band rules. Mm-hmm. Rules like in creeds. Yes. If you've been in enough situations on the road or if you've you've done it enough times, there are just certain things that you just do. They become like, this is how we do it to stay functional. Do you have any band rules for us? Oh, for sure. It's not oh, yeah. all band specific, but some are overarching and some aren't. Let's put it that way. Something I've had in every band that I've been in is that the driver always picks the music. Fuck yeah. Preach. And and that is non-negotiable. If the driver is like, oh, I don't care, put something on, that's fine. But it's not like, I don't like this. No, it's universal. Yeah, that's universal. Driver picks the music. If you don't like it, fuck off. Mm -hmm. A a rule I used to have in the pre-GPS days was the passenger side always navigating. Mm -hmm. Yes, they have to be the best navigator, too. (laughs) I rarely ever put us into a situation with night driving. You might notice that none of these stories involve Kona Neutron and the Secret Friends. And one of the reasons why is I just never mm. put us in these situations. Because yeah. when you're young and you either don't know or don't give a shit, yeah, you're like, whatever. When you do this, I like, you know, not that I'm got a walker, but at an advanced age, like, you're like, I ain't going to fuck with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But passenger 
would always navigate. Yeah, but it, since that's less of a thing now, it's more like if you're doing night driving, passenger has to stay awake to make sure the driver stays awake. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, I also have a rule. This isn't a van specific rule, but this is definitely a loadout specific rule that there comes a time in the night where like you're done loading out or whatever. And like, you know, maybe somebody's chatting up someone that's like, you know, like super, uh, super cool or whatever, yes, or sure. like, you know, maybe they're, that's an attractive person who the fuck knows. Maybe it's someone that's just, they're locked in a conversation. They can't fucking get out of. Doesn't matter. Mm, some sort of punisher. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't a punisher. Exactly. It uh, does not matter in mm, any way, yeah. shape or form when it's time to leave. The signal is from teenage mutant Ninja turtles to the head of the foot clan, like the sergeant of the foot clan. <laughs> oh, the, best of all the Teenage uh-huh. Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. He does this thing that goes, he does the fist in the hand, he goes, Ninja, vanish! And then he fucking throws the smoke bomb. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if I do Ninja Vanish, that means whatever the fuck you're doing, whoever you're talking to, it's fucking done. We're on the road right the fuck now. <laughs> oh, I'm oh my god. god. <laughs> Conan. Yeah. That is a fucking great way to go out. And... <laughs> I just want to thank you for that (laughs) and for being on our show and think of it almost as a crossover show. You guys are so fucking good at what you're doing. And again, Thank you. I'm not going to ninja vanish, but you know, <laughs> but, it's, I think but it's time to go. <laughs> so fucking good, dude. Thank you so fucking much. Thanks, Conan. I'm honestly honored to be a part of it. And oh, I'm glad so, it me too. We'll have you back for sure. And if, if anything wacky ever happens to you on the road, give us yeah. a call. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. For sure. And again, thank you. That was yeah. it. Thanks so much, thank Conan. You. Thank you so much. That was awesome. As you can tell, Conan talks. Fast. He's a fast talker. <laughs> He's a smooth talker, too. We got a lot of extra stuff that he talked about. That was a chopped version of our conversation. So we have some cool clips and outtakes from that chat that we will uh, be working into future shows. True. When we have like another clips episode or something. We'll throw a couple of his other stories in. Although it's going to be hard to beat White Power Happy Hour, which is <laughs> one of the more fucked up I know. things that uh, I've heard a bartender say. I mean, what a story. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's <laughs> <laughs> one for the books. Before we go, let's just give a quick shout out to Georgetown Music, who has been a great help to our show, helping us out with microphones and things and stuff, Mm -hmm. and will soon be a sponsor of the show. So um, we're pretty excited about that. And we're going to work out some sort of deal where we can get a decent ad for him. We actually have a sponsor, Jeff. It's crazy. I know. One. We have one. A sponsor. Yeah. (laughs) A sponsor. I think we sold out. I think we're no longer punk. I got my black flag tattoo still, so I'm all right. (laughs) (laughs) So did did you pay the iron price for that black flag tattoo, I did. Jeff. I got the tattoo when I was 17 <laughs> years old, so that'll... Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, yeah, that fucking counts. <laughs> Let's wrap this up. We're going to get hard to work for our next episode, too, which I'm really excited about. The one after this is going to be great. Absolutely. Hopefully, there won't be any more um, horrific world events uh, between now and I'm then. Knocking we'll on wood. I'm knocking on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. You yeah. can hear that. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you never know what fresh hell you're going to be met with each day. <laughs> Take care, everybody. Yeah. Have a good one. Until next time. This show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time and that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level, etc., etc. 
The important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story. If you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out and help us set the record straight. Tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com. We'll read everything. And to any road warriors out there who might be listening, we want to hear your stories too. If you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us, then please drop us a line on email. Write it up as succinctly as possible, please. We don't want to read your autobiography. And if we have the time, we'll read it on a future episode. Feel free to plug yourself in the band as well. Again, the email address is tomorrow we die podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And I'm John Wisniewski, and this is Tomorrow, Tomorrow We, we die. die. Find us on the internet. Our website is www.tomorrowwedie.com. And remember, that's two W's, T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-W-E-D-I-E.com. On Twitter, we're at Tomorrow We Die PC. Instagram, at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Facebook page is at Tomorrow We Die Podcast. Our email address is tomorrowwedipodcast at gmail.com, and the show is published on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and SoundCloud. Podcast production by myself, Jeffrey M. McNulty, at the Pachinko Parlor, Seattle, Washington. The background music is from Null Frequency Impulsor. Tomorrow We Die is published in partnership with Ruinous Media. Thanks so much for listening.